0: Hello and welcome, Heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin.
1: And I'm your guest, Cody.
0: This show may not be suitable for young children.
1: But neither is our game.
0: (laughs) This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with
1: new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next
0: adventure. This show is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audio download uh, and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash critacademy. We would like to take a moment to thank our fellowship member, Goblinstone. Thanks to Goblinstone, all of Crit Nation has a chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. Each, each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the 5-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned.
1: Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published.
0: Be sure to head on over to goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link at our own website at critacademy.com. This week's winner is Jake M Conrad. It's the Hulk, man. Is Hulk it? Mania, yeah.
1: I didn't do the rest of it.
0: Congratulations, Jake uh, M. Conrad, on your uh, adventure. If you like the adventure, please head on over to Stone and let them know. Or send us an email and let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Before we move on to our first topic, we would like to take a moment to let you know what you can do to help support our show and become our heroes. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash You get lots of cool features. First of all, you get uh, a copy of our show notes a week ahead of time. So you know what our subject's going to be. So if you want, you can send us uh, responses or specific things you think we should focus on during our discussion. Additionally, during our discussions, you can join in and kind of interact with us as the show is live uh, and kind of give us your feedback whether we like it or not. (laughs) Um, Additionally, um, head on over to our website and check out our affiliate links. One of the best things you can do is just leave us a review. Let other people know you like the show. The more five-star rated reviews we have, the more people that will find us and the more people that will learn what our show is about before they even get engaged. And then at the bare minimum and the easiest thing you can do is give our show a like and share when episodes release. Thanks for joining us today at Crit Academy Studios where everything's made up and your roles don't matter.
1: Yes, that's right. Your roles are like a hermit's friends. (laughs) See, I did it it for you. Spot
0: on, man. Spot on. (laughs) On today's show we obviously have a special guest with us here not
1: special in any way real regard
0: <laughs> um, that's not that's not entirely true I think you're special
1: well I appreciate that
0: yeah. in, a, in, a, in a good way everyone is a is a snowflake right everyone's unique and special in their own way well, on the internet yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so we have a special guest with joining us today, our uh, buddy Cody, uh, obviously. You do not hear Ryan's sexy voice, because Ryan is not here. Mm-hmm. Um, he is now, I guess, going to be working a whole crap load, and he's still going to school. So,
1: Well, he's like 19, isn't he?
0: No, he's 20, 20, 20, 20 21, 21.
1: You just turned 21. Well, so I fucking nailed it, is basically what you what you just said. <laughs> yeah, whatever, fuck off. Anyway. He's a tiny baby child. He is a baby. Um, so he's he's a, 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 does, the, does the audience know how old you are? Yeah. How old are you? 32. And I'm, I'm going turn 32. I'm turning 31 this year. So our balls are older than his balls. And, you know, he's a teeny tiny baby. He's got <laughs> shit to do. We are older, and we have more financial freedom. We can record. Mm. And what do you call your studio? Academy of the Studio. You haven't come up with a cool name for it? Like it's kit- a man cave. Like Kitchen Studio or like, uh, what was it? What, an Iron Chef. What, what do they call it? I don't know. Who the hell watches that? <laughs> man, I loved Iron Chef. So, Why? I, not to spoil the episode, but I wanted to come up with a class feature. That was uh, that was based on the Iron Chef.
0: <laughs> that would actually have been pretty cool. We have a question from Raging Swan Press, uh, about death. Our main topic today will be custom class options. And our of course our final topic, our owner tips and tricks, where we deliver new and reusable content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. But before all that we have our very first subject, which is in the realm. That's where we kind of discuss a little bit about what's going on in our life, so What's going on in your life, Cody?
1: So yeah, hamburgers and hot dogs mostly. I'm um, trying to get back on that health grind, but oh, you fell off the wagon, huh? Yeah, dude, like ten it's okay, pounds. So you're still ago. looking
0: pretty good, though. Yeah,
1: well, the weights help, but
0: you know, not that I swing that side of the fence. But I'll tell you what, if I wasn't married, I'd have hey, take a slap at this that. Has,
1: this is this is it's all about role play here. So you <laughs> just do what, do whatever makes you feel good. <laughs> um, oh snap! But yeah, trying to you know trying to get back on the health grind. My wife is actually at home meal prepping right now. So what's that like? Well, it's pretty good. So she's basically she's creating, you know, three different meals in little Tupperware containers for the week so I don't eat garbage. Cuz if if given the opportunity, I will eat straight trash garbage instead of anything <laughs> healthy. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I
0: think that's a pretty constant problem with everyone. I know it is with me. I no matter how much I I I got an Xbox right in front of my treadmill. I'll correct. walk on it all day. Doesn't do shit if I right. eat a cheeseburger. Well, geez, <laughs> or three every now and
1: again. <laughs> if you want to support America and eat a cheeseburger, that's all good. I'm about to have <laughs> Fair God enough. bless America, where at least I know I'm free. free. Oh, and shit. that's you know, uh, every now and again it's fine. But I've been doing it every day and again for oh, like the last two right. three weeks, and it's because of the new job. Um, so yeah. you're constantly on
0: the road, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes it challenging. Well, right. that's exciting.
1: Well, yeah, I guess so.
0: What about you, buddy? Um, so, if anybody listened to my last episode, I was super stoked because a new screenshot came out for Phantom Dust.
1: Oh.
0: Um Apparently, no matter how much I follow this, I was super stoked and was completely unaware that they released it. I'm trying... What? Yeah, they released a game. I okay, so <laughs> y- you don't know what Phantom Dust is? All my listeners do because I described it in the last episode. Okay, it is like imagine building a Magic the Gathering deck.
1: Oh no, I know what Phantom Dust is.
0: How do you know what Phantom Dust is?
1: Because I'm on the internet and I know about video games. I, I mean, but
0: that is like a cult classic. I literally was playing it like three weeks ago before the game released because I still love that game.
1: The Xbox version, yes, right? on yeah. my Xbox. Did and you watch the the video? Uh, I think it was Polygon where they're talking mm-hmm. about the uh, the textures in game mm-hmm. or super high res. Yes. You know, to begin with, so they didn't have to. They make just any uncompressed new them. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah,
0: and it still looks freaking great.
1: And you know, I, is are there is an Xbox exclusive? Are they doing no, this? On okay, the PC? so
0: it works on the it's on the PC as okay. well as the Xbox.
1: Which is why I don't One, have an Xbox because for free, for free,
0: and it's cross system. So it's they got Xbox anywhere. So any progress I make on my Xbox One right. also applies to when I play on my PC.
1: Because again, the Xbox One is useless if you have a PC.
0: Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I there's a lot of games that are on my Xbox that I like, but yes, you're you're not wrong.
1: It's basically there. But like, anyways, the it's point like, is a living room the PC game. The you. game
0: is amazing. <laughs> no, well, it's a bedroom, but yeah, right. Um, but yeah, the game's amazing. I recommend it to everyone build that deck and go into a battle arena and fucking blow they shit look up. Pretty neat. Yeah, I dropped a building on somebody the other day.
1: <laughs> right, so this is the original version. When is the yes. new version coming out?
0: Good God, I, I think what this is. This is what our our theory is. Uh, Microsoft hasn't said anything about it, but. We think that they're testing this to see if the IP is viable. Yes, because they only released like seventy thousand copies when it launched.
2: Oh, that isn't
0: shit at all.
1: No,
2: and
0: because of that, it and it launched at twenty bucks. Wow. So now you don't have very many, and the ones you do have are like in the bargain bin. Really? Um. So I think what they did is they're trying to test the waters to see if the IP is viable Mm -hmm. before they invest more money. Because originally they were remaking it, and I was super stoked.
1: Right. Um. But it looks cool. I mean, It's, it's
0: very unique. There's not really any other game to compare it to, oh, yeah. and that's what makes it unique.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: <laughs> but not only is like the environment extremely destructible, uh-huh. like you can drop bridges on people
1: and it'll hurt them. Is it extremely destructible or is it just just destruct- just, just,
0: just destructible?
1: <laughs> so what? I mean, I'm just but anyways.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've been playing way more of that, and I'd like to, admit, which actually works out because I'm on the treadmill when I'm doing it. Right. So the more I play, the more I walk. So hey, there's that. Right. I just got to not.
1: Get there. cheeseburgers. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, again, my wife says it like this, um, you know, you can't get healthy in one day and you're not going to get fat in one day either.
0: Three in every day might though. Right.
1: It's, it certainly will.
0: All right. So that's in the realm. Well. In our next segment, we have let's talk about blank, but we actually have a very interesting uh, subject first. We got an email ish from a listener um, in response to our last discussion. In the same topic, where we had a redditor uh, Sir Spy Scrab asks, "My party and I found the deck of many things, and I drew the idiot card and the star card, leaving my characters with five int. <laughs> that sucks." I chose to increase my 20 wisdom to 22. Any advice on playing a character with ridiculous wisdom and abysmal intelligence? So we had okay. a pretty interesting discussion on this. Um, but Last episode? Last episode. Okay. Um, and I'm
1: assuming you played them like an idiot savant, right? Or like maybe a so like a, an oracle that has sort of... Well,
0: here's the challenge. We actually, before we recorded, we talked for about an hour oh. about this subject because we thought it was pretty challenging we mentioned right. the rain man and that sort of yeah. type thing but what we ended up settling on is a character who while isn't book smart mm-hmm. he notices things he's very observant okay he, um he or it, they mm-hmm. might spot traps they might spot some wires in a, in a hallway and and oh hey guys look 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 what i see he might not know what the hell it does mm. but he knows that there's something there
1: wisdom 22 how do you equate that in like real in uh. real terms
0: I don't know, so let's distra- Fucking let's ten is well, normal, but,
1: okay, and you know five in like you said is an ape for intelligence, right, but let's say twenty two wisdom
0: wisdom in the in the d and d sense, at least for fifth edition uh-huh actually focuses on the fact that you have a good you have good gut feelings, you have you're very observant as far as seeing and noticing little details like everyone might see a knife that da- stabbed into a guy's chest mm-hmm. the observant person might see the integrated filigree into the blade that's oh. also the shape of an angel that is also somebody who worked for a god or something he may not know that that's what it is but he might be able to point out hey there's an angel on this hilt huh. that's to me is how it is perceived now and that's what's funny is that's actually what he asked so what we're going to do mm. is we're going to go to the section that discuss those and see what the book actually says Ah, right here page 12 of the player's handbook it specifically says that wisdom in three words measures awareness
1: intuition and insight see intuition is it was where i was leaning at first because you could be a i mean i don't know you ever watch the stand Mm -mm, the movie the stand the big the big dopey like corn fed dude and (laughs) (laughs) like he's like m-o-o-n that spells wisdom you know that guy no, I've never seen it, but I mean, continue. Other people. But he, might yeah, know. but he was very, again, he was, he was intuitive and you know, he, uh, he, he, wasn't a leader character necessarily, but, um, he was wise beyond his intelligence, let's say.
0: Right. And to me that says that, okay, there's a switch here.
1: Mm-hmm. I know
0: it's bad. I know it means something, but I don't understand what it means. Right. That's the way we perceived it. So that's the way we decided that we would answer it. Right. Well listener had <laughs> had a response and didn't quite agree with us. Okay. So we're gonna listen to that and then I'm gonna tell you why we decided to go we- way we did okay. and see if it matches up with what his uh discussion is. Let's
2: hear. Hello, Crit Academy. RJ here. I thought I'd uh send you a little audio clip. Uh I was listening Friday. to your recent podcast <laughs> oh, and no, the on. discussion about uh <laughs> Low intelligence, high wisdom. I just wanted to weigh in because I was sitting in my car screaming at you guys like, no, you've misunderstood. <laughs> I mean, obviously, everyone has their own interpretation, right? Uh, but That's the way I an see interpretation. it is that um, this so I, an interpretation. I'm, a, I'm a high school teacher. By profession, um, uh, but I've also you know done a lot of university, worked in universities, my wife works at a university. Let me tell you right now, there are a lot of people out there with really high intelligence which are like you know good at book learning in universities, but uh, their wisdom is very low, right? so fl- flipping that, you know they're practical, they're practical examples. So I think to analyze what it is to have low intelligence requires to understand what it is to have high wisdom as well, you know, like you have to you have to flip the equation. so, Um, you know, and that's exactly what we're talking about. The people with low intelligence, high wisdom are people who, they don't have the book learning. They don't have that book learning, but they're very intelligent. So the way you guys were talking about it, to me, says both low wisdom and low intelligence, you know, like, in fact, the opposite, you're saying, oh, there's a button on the floor. Hey, I don't know what it is. I'll push it. No, it's the opposite. They know that button is there, is going to be connected to a trap, but they, you know, they don't, uh... I guess you know they don't they, they don't know how the trap necessarily works, but they know that if they push it, that's going to be bad, right? right. Intuition. So um the the so some good examples I can think of off the top of my head, people like Mr. Miyagi, right? Like we all know Mr. Miyagi, he's not got that you know college degree, he's not got a license, right? <laughs> but it, he knows these things. He's very wise, very smart, but his you know book learning intelligence well, he not very, very high so at all. Right? Obviously, it's yeah. not going to be as low as five. That's crazy. But like, you know, I think that, um, yeah, just keeping in mind that wisdom is more valuable in the game than uh, intelligence is, you know, Um, whereas, you know, intelligence that gives you more skill points that gives you, you know, more theory based stuff. But does it really give you more uh, understanding of your surroundings and understanding of your world, which is what I think wisdom is, you know? Anyway, that's just my comments. I hope this is not too long for you. Uh, And I hope this, I, I guess, helps the person who asked the question on Reddit. Bye. I don't disagree with him in a lot of ways.
0: I I, I don't either. But and, th- and it's funny that he sent that because, like I said, Ryan and I had a long discussion about how the best to describe this. So the very first thing we use to leverage that is what is five level five and what is a five intelligence. Right. An ape has a level has a six for intelligence. Really? Yes.
1: So five would be one lower than yes.
0: An ape. Yeah. Basic math. Congratulations. Uh, see you again.
1: Are, I'm very high whiz. A, very. You get a. I'm, you get a, moderate. You get a ant. sticker.
0: So <laughs> So, um, and that was actually what we decided to base our whole argument off of. If an ape has an intelligence of six and you're less than that, you're dumber than an ape. Now, would an ape that spots a tripwire know that's what it is? See, but knowing is that knowing is intelligent. And this is where I actually agree with him better than our assessment Right, is that he's right. We made the statement that, okay, it sees it, it spots it, nobody else does Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he's right. It might not necessarily go and actually, oh, I wonder what this is, and, and, and pull on it. He wouldn't instinctively know that that's probably something he bad. He would
1: instinctively know. Not only, see, at 22, he would instinctively know not just not to touch it, but to warn to his To warn allies. everybody up.
0: I, and I agree. And I and that's why I really like this, this comment from right. uh, rj Jade. From Game Master Stash, actually, which is an awesome Facebook page. Yeah. Head on over. They give daily content. The last time we did an episode on them, and they were releasing content. Why we were talking? It really? just they release it all the time. So RJ is one of the admins over there. He does a really good job. There so go. um, I actually agree with him a lot of things, and we definitely did goof on a few things. But our whole <laughs> it was a challenge for us, and our whole <laughs> basis was based on what is a level five intelligence in order to determine how it would react. What we didn't capture is exactly what he explained that maybe we should have focused more on. Okay, instinctually he can see he. He sees this trip this the switch he sees this button he warns everybody else mm. he wouldn't actually push it and i and no. i agree um and that we kind of th- thought well in being a dummy he probably would but that's not actually right so right. because
1: um, the funny thing about int and wisdom is they're both like you can like he said you can you can approach the world from all sorts of you know perspectives right i think a lot of times you know if if you're this kind of a low-int, high-whiz person. Again, my father was a hillbilly. He, he mined coal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was born, I was born down in Virginia. And, you know, we came up north, and he made a great living, raised us boys. But by the time I was 15, 16 years old, I was smarter than him, but he had significantly more wisdom than right, I right. have even now. I mean, he was a very um, wise man. So, again, he approached the world from a position of wisdom and found success that way. Right. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and and th- that and I'm glad that he sent that. I'm glad you were here to kind of give us a new perspective. Right. Um, we definitely didn't get it 100% right, but trying to play a character with an intellect of five,
1: challenging. That is challenging, <laughs> to say the least. Well, you um, got. I mean, you'd have to be a good role player to, to, to follow along with that. Right. Um, and, and
0: that was kind of the whole question, the original que- uh, question from the Redditor. So we want to thank RJ from uh, Game Master Stash for his... Uh, his response, and we hope that you learn something. So I'm
1: ima- again. I know we're, we shouldn't probably get stuck on this, but I wasn't here for the last episode. I'm imagining a character with like a bag full of colored shapes that they use to communicate with their allies. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how like a they- red X means danger. Yeah, you can't talk. <laughs> if inside, you probably can't you read. You can't. Yeah, speak. you certainly can't read, but you shouldn't be able to communicate verbally at in five
0: right and and that, and that kind of goes back to harkens back to what he was talking about he was trying to and i think his concept was right but he talked about mr miyagi right at the very minimum mr miyagi's got to be like a 10 at least a commoner's uh intelligence right which is one of the once again one of the challenges that we struggled with as a, okay right. if this is normal and a six is a beast what the hell do you do, do with that? So yeah. we answered the best we could, and I'm glad that you came on and gave us your input, and I'm glad Ar- RJ uh, responded. Man.
1: I'm going to give input no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> whether, whether we want to hear it or not, right? right. <laughs> I can't help that. Fair
0: enough. All right, so thanks again. Now uh, for this week's question, um, we, it comes from Raging Swan Press. What's the most embarrassing death you've ever suffered? Never dies. Never dies. Yeah, um, that's awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I take that back. I did. Okay, so my first D and D game ever was in the ninth grade, I think, Um, and we had a substitute teacher named Mister B. And uh, he he, he subbed a lot. So he he was a sub that the school called on frequently. And he was this big, heavy-set, red-faced guy. And, you know, I didn't know he was a nerd at the time. Um, But he spotted our table of friends in science class and, I guess, instinctually knew. He he had high high whiz. (laughs) He knew we were some nerds. So instead of making us do dittos, he he took us off to the side and taught us how to play Dungeons & Dragons. And uh, we rolled characters, and he had, like, a separate lesson for us Mm -hmm. where we played D&D. And... um, I never had that shit when I was in school. Right, it was just I mean again, I'll remember this forever because he was he was super cool. But I did die in this encounter because I hit on a strange woman in a cabin in the middle of the woods that was my first instinct because i was in the ninth grade and you know you got a boner dick's on fire <laughs> in the night i mean because right, right. <laughs> that's the only thing on you His that works dick is on fire yeah, basically so we 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 walk up to this cabin in the middle of the woods and um we look in the windows and we're doing I, i've got you know I'm, I'm a i'm a fighter character and i've got a bastard sword which i picked because i'm in the ninth grade and bastard uh but uh, it gives you a reason to say bastard right in school. right and uh so we walk up to this cabin and we finally knock on the door and this beautiful woman approaches and she's enchanting and you know we're all sort of in, you know captivated by her beauty. So my first instinct is to say something along the lines of nice tits and immediately melted my face off. That was my first experience with D&D ever. <laughs> Died within 35 minutes because I said nice tits to, you know, some witch in the woods. Yeah, well. So only death, last death, I learned my lesson. Lessons learned. Don't, yeah. don't head on a witch
0: in the middle of a desert. <laughs> well, I was a cabin in the woods, but oh, you know what? Cabin I'm, in
1: the woods, what I say, desert? see your whiz is low. Well. You're not very yeah, perceptive. Yeah,
0: I'm an idiot. <laughs> Cody is our resident uh, optimizer, by the way. <laughs> So it you know, makes it definitely easier to stay. You know,
1: li- <laughs> I don't optimize on purpose. I just happen to make all of the best decisions every time
0: <laughs> <laughs> for all you listeners out there. Send us what uh, you think was your most embarrassing. I'd love to hear it. Obviously we all Mr. doesn't die over here, but
1: right. um, Do I better, think- mr. do better mr. do better mr. Mr. do good mr. Mr. get good (laughs) whatever (laughs) it's a dangerous world out there all right good
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is our let's talk about blank segment so on to our main topic custom class options we are going to be looking at the unearthed arcana uh for this they have a really good template of the expectation how to give options you know one of the best things about D&D is having all these different choices to build and customize and make your characters different. Right. D&D 5e being the newer edition that it is, it doesn't have nearly as many options for compared to some of its predecessors, especially like Paizo's Pathfinder or even 3.5 in general. Right. Um. Even 4e. 4e's got piles and piles of content. Right. So sometimes we as the DM or the players have to kind of take that into our own hands. Now... Mm. This isn't building a whole new class, but it's creating a new variation of an existing class. And we really want to, kind. Of, we're gonna kinda of guide you through what wizards and what we consider really good um, template. But let's be honest, there's really no perfect way to build a class variant. But with this, you should be able to open options. Uh, whether it's for a player who wants to run a very specific type of concept that the books just doesn't have for it doesn't mean you have to say no Mm. as the DM you can find your own way to allow that in your game or you can or not, and just be like, I'm not fucking allowing Tieflings because I hate the motherfuckers. I don't think they have place in my game.
1: Well, if the t- if Tieflings are in the book, I mean, you don't need to be a racist. They're at least legal to play as. Not in some people's
0: campaigns, really. Yeah, some people just don't like them because they don't they don't fit. I, I guess heard they stink. Oh, I love them. Do they smell bad? I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, it's brimstone, you yeah. know. Oh, fire and brimstone.
0: A lot of sulfur. It's a pretty shitty smell,
1: right?
0: <laughs> um. So obviously, the very first thing you have to do is figure out. What you what you want, and what's unique about that compared to uh, a close uh, class archetype that already exists?
1: Right. So it's something worth doing something worth, yeah. like different enough that it's it merits a change.
0: Yeah, not 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 the same it's not the same as reskinning a current right, class. Right,
1: because you could always you could always reimagine an existing power or yeah, feature.
0: Which is what we do all we encourage quite right. a bit on the show is you don't need to rebuild something, you can reflavor it. But right. sometimes that's not adequate enough. Right. So these guidelines should help you with that. The first thing is deciding what makes it unique and how does it really tie into the underlying story of the campaign world, right? Right. Um, we're going to talk today uh, actually about the uh, favorite soul. And if we have time, we're also going to talk about a Dragoon that uh, Cody developed here.
1: Right. I know Dragoon is super original, but, you know, I, I, I took a look at some homebrew stuff on the internet and nobody really captured the flavor of, of jumping to me. Like uh, mm-hmm. they, they just, they sort of tried to mechanically create guys who can jump better. But to me, a Dragoon, when he jumps, he jumps off the map and is gone. Do, right. you, do you remember the um, Genasi in Fourth Edition mm-hmm. um, that were like shadow something, the dark like the dark element Genasi? No, I don't. Well, they had a feature where um, for a round they ceased to exist. Oh, that's pretty. cool. And bizarre. I thought that was the coolest feature. Um, so that's kind of what inspired me to do that.
0: Oh, very cool. So um, the very first thing you want to do is design the, the the concept. And in this case, you chose Dragoon.
1: Right. The very first thing I did was not read all of it and just kind of went my own way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that because
0: that's how you get uh, get unbalanced classes. Just right. Really, when you do this, if you do it right, mm-hmm. your class shouldn't necessarily outshine something else at, at the same level. Right. Um, meanwhile, being different enough that it is an interesting uh, character. Um, one of the easiest things you can do is constantly comparing your what you're designing with the concept that you have right Uh, in this case jumping Mm -hmm. it makes sense if you want to do some sort of jump you're going to want to maybe see if you can find some existing mechanic that already kind of supports that
1: right well when i when i was working on this kind of last minute brew I, i i looked to ranger to do it because i thought it would be more flavorful if you picked like Favored terrain in the mountains, and and like an enemy, like your enemy would be dragons, and you could focus on you know sort of a have a more natural aspect to dragoons Mm -hmm. in D and D as opposed to every other custom dragoon I found, which was just a warrior you know fighter type character who jumped on guys. You know what I mean? But rangers, I think, already need a little bit of help, and they're already they're already very mobile, Mm -hmm. and so the jump made sense to me. Right. Um,
0: Especially uh, since they can, because they can take spells, you can give them the jump spell, which doubles kind their of jump. Yeah, kind of which makes kind the of helps jump. with that. Right, makes it, it a it, lot better. And it takes something you don't see used very often and adds to it because I'll be honest, I've already built the class you were doing with what was already in the book. Right. Um, it didn't achieve exactly nearly as cool as what you've come up with. Okay. But it was enough that I was satisfied that it didn't require it to make anything new. But um, because of that, I'm really interested to to see what you've got here. Um, Let me talk about it a little, huh? Yeah. So, um. Once you've kind of gone through and compared your concept with uh, your design, if your design for the mechanic isn't uh, somehow uh, helping to reinforce the theme of the new class option, it might be worthwhile just to uh, reconsider that type of uh, mechanic. Mm. You know, as you kind of consider a which class features kind of include to include in your new class option, there's a few questions you can ask yourself to kind of help with that. Uh, one of the first ones being is what kind of abilities do other options for this class, provide at a comparable level.
1: Right. Which is what of, I ignored completely. <laughs> yeah. Way to go on that, by the way. <laughs> I basically made the archetype into, like, uh, you remember in, in 4... I, I refer to 4E a lot. I'm sorry, audience. I know most of you probably hate it, but... have no reason to hate 4E. Right. I love 4th edition. But anyway, do you remember at, at 11th level, you'd get, like, a Paragon uh, feature, mm-hmm. and you'd have, like, a whole new slew of additional skills. I kind of just stretched Paragon features out okay. over an archetype, which... Is a little strong, um, and what we could do if you really want to, maybe we could sort of uh, contrast and compare and see if we can rebalance the crazy. There we go as I we can... go through. Right. right? No, it sounds good. That might be fun. Hey, you know
0: what? You were saying how you get everything right when you build your character. Maybe you got it right, <laughs> and we don't have to fix nothing. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. You, don't make, you
0: don't make no mistakes. Well, um. there
1: are going to be listeners in their cars going, "That's," I can't do an Australian accent, but that's fucking broken. <laughs> <laughs> And they might be, and I'm sure they'll let us hear about it.
0: So now that you've kind of compared what other classes get or the same class gets at the same level, you kind of have an idea what to expect so you don't make it unbalanced. Right. The next thing you want to kind of ask yourself is, do the features improve the character's combat ability directly? Or does it make the character better at something else, such as, you know, social interaction, exploration, or, you know, puzzle solving, or finding food, or detecting traps, or something along those lines. Because not everything you gain Mm -hmm. is going to directly tie to combat. Right. And so it's important to make sure that, okay, at level 10, I get, you know one shot this guy. Well, I'm going to need something like one shot this guy. But at level 15, I get I can see farther. Okay. So right. I probably should get something maybe I can smell farther away or something. You want right. to you want to you want to try to keep those comparable because that helps you keep it balanced. Yeah. With by not saying, well, not only can I fucking one shot this guy, at level 15 I can one shot three guys, you right. know. So you really can use that to kind of leverage your um, decisions in making
1: your class. Sure. Did you
0: use do any of
1: that? Well, I included some some utility um, especially at the, f- the seventh level feature so at third level I provided um, sort of a, a, a passive boost to the character's ability to jump and long jump so you, you would get you would just be better at jumping in general not necessarily the dragoon yeah
0: but it still directly affects combat right, utility right, right? So, so but there's
1: also a new jump action you can take that ends your turn so I balanced it by this so basically you could you you would exp- you would expend the rest of your movement. Um, and then jump to a target within sight um, and range, and then uh, make a melee attack, and then your turn was over so that was the that was the beginning of this dragoon's jump okay and then at level seven, you could choose to either improve that jump, which would help you with falling damage and opportunity attacks. Or you could go a different way and be able to call a wyvern ally. So I know in a lot of which is pretty cool, right? There are, and it's that's one of the reasons I thought ranger would be a cool class to start this with, is because again you've got beastmaster rangers already, right, right. and the wyvern addition to a dragoon class archetype is is kind of neat. Yeah, I've,
0: when we went through and you mentioned briefly how. Uh, underpowered the ranger currently is when we were doing the class analysis of the ranger we made a lot of points of ways you can make some of those classes much more viable right. with just little tiny tweaks, tiny tweaks. this is and not a tiny tweak no it's a completely entirely <laughs> re- envisioning but you kind of took something that wasn't uh, wasn't really being used very much and kind of right find a way to make it so
1: make it better because i mean rangers are not kind of they're not doing the kind of damage they were doing in fourth edition their dpr is not super strong and what i wanted to work toward when i when i came up with this archetype was the ability to, when you're out when you're outdoors at least to jump out of sight so <laughs> i
0: can put you in a tiny ass cave where you jump is right worthless. and
1: the jump the ju- i mean because you could long jump and that's fine you could still do that it just wouldn't be you couldn't jump off the map necessarily right, right so the idea that i had is okay it's at the end of your turn you've maybe got one attack action left you can use your high jump which you would get i th- so at, at seventh level um, was it 7th level? Or maybe, maybe it was the, the 11th level. Yeah, the 11th level gave you access to high jump. So if you were outdoors, you could jump out of sight and then land at the beginning of your next turn, and it would deal additional damage you know, over a normal melee attack. But again, it still ends your turn. Right, right. So essentially what happens is is you have the ability now to, to sort of get out of the way if there's a, an especially dangerous enemy that was maybe readying a, a very powerful attack. Right, right. It's a defensive maneuver, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or you could continue to improve your Wyvern. So um, I thought that was – it would give you nice options. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, again, the, 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 the verbiage I use is not necessarily consistent with game rules. It was just giving me a kind of Not idea. even close. Right. No, I just, you know.
0: I, and that when I try to do my monster variants, I try very hard you to gotta, well, make sure the words pr- perfect because yeah, you have to be consistent. Nuts over that if well, you're just off by a page. That makes
1: sense because it, if you're making something that's homebrew, it needs to fit comfortably, or else it it's, falls you know, apart. It, it destroys everything. Yeah. yeah, game rules are important, at least to me. So I'm the kind yeah. of guy I like rules a lot.
0: Yeah, which is which I think is one thing that may not appeal to you as much about fourth, fifth edition because fifth edition right. is very. While I think it allows more freedom from mm-hmm. a DM and player, right. it because it has less rules, right. there's a lot of players, specifically like optimizers, who say, okay, well, I need to know exactly how all this stuff works so, so I, I can make sure my it. character
1: yeah.
0: is broken at that point in time. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's nothing wrong with that playstyle. That right. is a chosen playstyle that... Right. Um, at least from your standpoint, encourage me to come up with newer content and better ways
1: to deal with it. Again, keep in mind my first experience, my face got melted off. So I, from from that point on, I was like, you're never like, again. I'm gonna s- again. I'm going to say <laughs> nice better. tits and teleport away, boo-boo. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Zoop. Um, nice right. tits, I'm gone.
0: <laughs> so the next question, the third question you're going to want to ask yourself is, how do the features at a given level reinforce the story of that class option? Okay. So for instance you mentioned the Ranger.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: get their favorite enemy. Right? They're trackers, they're hunters. Right. That's what they do. They get their favorite territory. Right. That's they specialize in hunting in the mountains or hunting in the forest or hunting in the fucking on an iceberg, you know. Right. That type of uh, feature really reinforces that class's concept and idea correct and you really want to when you're building a new option that it fits that idea you don't want a druid starting to throw a shit ton of fireballs and burst into flames and it just it doesn't fit the class concept now if you did come up with an archetype that's somehow tied to Infernals or something, maybe
1: Mm. that's something you can do. Did you ever watch that Martin Lawrence movie, Black Knight? Oh, I love Black (laughs) Knight. You know what we need to do? We need to homebrew a class feature that helps you be Martin Lawrence, the Black Knight. (laughs) It could be like a shout called, Damn, Gina! And then like anybody in earshot, they have to, you know, beat a certain charisma check.
0: Otherwise they're drawn to whatever he's looking at. Yeah,
1: they're distracted and you get advantage for the turn. <laughs> Damn, Gina I love it. Or you could I'm like, like you, 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 you could be a shifter. You could be a shifter and shift into a dire shenene. I don't <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, so the dire shenanigans. Anyways, so it's important to make sure that whatever feature you're giving is reinforcing the class option in the story. Right. Another great question to ask yourself is Does the, an existing mechanic already accomplish something that you're trying to do?
1: Right. For because sure. Because
0: why reinvent the wheel? If somebody's already got hundreds of thousands of hours play tested on a feature mm-hmm. that does exactly what you want, just give that feature to that character.
1: So you're talking about from one class to another? Yes. I so, see what you mean.
0: Let's say um Eldritch Blast. Okay. For whatever reason, I want to give my ranger Eldritch Blast. Well I don't want him Eldritch Blast. I want something His favorite that foe n- is Cthulhu. when he when he <laughs> shoots his bow, he knocks back something. Okay. So maybe I give something similar to the El- the the Warlock's invocation. Okay. Which gives his Eldritch Blast a ten foot knockback. Right. And somehow I tie that into my Ranger, who mm-hmm. now I just give him a boxing glove on the end of his arrow. When he lets it loose, it knocks the target 10 feet because, you know, right. who doesn't love green arrow?
1: And then, and then they, you know, if the target is hit with this, they have to save against a certain thing right. where they fall down laughing and they're prone. Because <laughs> you hit them with a fucking boxing glove arrow. <laughs> but yeah,
0: but, but something like that where. Oh my
1: God, we need to make a clown class. Did you ever play Final Fantasy Tactics? I did. It's been a long time, though. So again, you know, I think that it was either juggler or clown. Um, so, so again, I hadn't thought about this, but let's say we took Bard and made class features that were clown-like. Um, oh yeah, that, that would be cool. That could be really sweet. I, I mean, I don't think we could do it on air or whatever, but maybe some of your listeners might want to brainstorm a clown and then you could talk about it next episode. <laughs> That'd that be would awesome. Be pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, and that's actually one of our whole segments is about character concepts. We we did a, a bard mime.
1: Okay, where there you go.
0: Instead of instead of him talking for vicious mockery, yeah. he would like do a thrust motion, okay. and the person would get hit with psychic damage as if he's being stabbed. You know, so there's definitely good that's for easy a shy to do.
1: Player who wants to play a bard. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, so that would be really fun, and uh, if you're listening and you like that idea, send us some ideas so I don't have to write it up.
1: Right, that would be good. <laughs> I already made a dragoon, damn it.
0: <laughs> the, the less work I got to do, the better, because I already got shit done. <laughs> All right, so now, as you're going forward, uh, there's a lot of features that exist with each class, and... While there, we've discussed, there's really no formula to perfectly design a new or replacement class features. There are some typical guidelines that already apply to the, the 11 classes that they've already got, mm-hmm. and these are things you have to really be careful when you change them, especially how they interact with other classes, because that's how you get broken combinations. Right. Um, so for the, the obvious thing for like the barbarian is the barbarian's rage class feature. You don't want to you got to be carefully cause, careful because it already significantly increases their defenses. Right. If you somehow allow that to end up stacking with other features, with other classes... It could bust it. It could bust it really easy. Right. So,
1: I will say this as a power gamer. It, there's no way... I mean, it's not fun to homebrew something busted let me just say that so if i'm homebrewing it's not a challenge right because i'm just making a god mode essentially so yeah if if i'm if i'm working for all you
0: youngins that's cheat codes back in the day (laughs) yeah
1: so (laughs) now now it would be dlc you know but but yeah as far as that goes i would definitely want to make sure if i was homebrewing anything that it would line up somewhere like upper middle you know as far as power level goes because i still I, i love playing with powerful effects that uh, you know, it's all power fantasy anyway. Right, right. But I would never want it to be so busted it was boring. Right. Um so yeah, with the barbarian man, I, I think what would you what would you do to let's let's just say off the cuff, what would you do to modify barbarian? What would you want to change? Um, okay,
0: I actually have a good example. Um one of the feet one of the archetypes, the Berserker, mm-hmm. okay uh, builds exhaustion levels. Okay. Now the rule is you can only get remove a level of exhaustion by a long rest. Mm-hmm. At level three you get frenzy. Okay. Which basically lets you do an extra attack mm-hmm. at level three. As Early. a bonus action. Right. So, if you're wielding a one D twelve weapon, that's two attacks at level three mm-hmm. and three attacks at level five.
1: American fools. Problem. That's
0: huge. The problem is, is that you suffer a level of exhaustion, which what at le- one level is not that bad. It's You
1: know what would be really cool is if uh, So yeah. let's say let's say we modified this Berserker to instead of exhausting himself, he could with some sort of dark pact um, exhaust his allies or like punish his allies in some way you know, because again, that would be a really interesting role play thing. I find that a lot of. Where
0: he, like, is siphoning off their energy yes. to power his yeah. own.
1: Yeah, because my, my. Ooh, f- he
0: would have to be awfully. Right. I'm <laughs> well, no, not
1: even. Des- I mean, not necessarily. He could be repentant. There's all kinds of things you can do um, to make this work. But sucking the you- life
0: force from your allies, right. that is evil. I mean, look, I,
1: I've met a couple women that suck the life force <laughs> from, you know.
0: <laughs> so, anyways, um, the exhaustion. At first level, you have disadvantage in all ability checks. Okay. And then at level two, your speed is cut in half. Wow. So now we can't even fucking chase people down. Right. Even if you wanted to. And at third level, he has disadvantage in all attack rolls. Damn. So now you as a player, mm-hmm. knowing that you can only remove one level, level of exhaustion per night.
1: Per night. Mm-hmm. Per, per
0: night. Holy shit. Per eight hour rest. Right. So is that something you'd even consider?
1: Yeah, it would have to be, a, it's like a life or death situation, yeah. which I don't think really lines up with a berserker right. mindset. So, I, th- I mean, like you, like we were saying, you could do maybe maybe a class feature that helps you... Recover that. Well, but again, there's all kinds of ways you can approach it. In fourth edition, I hate to be a broken record, there was a, there was a, I think it was a background um, that centered around sort of taking advantage of your allies or like punishing, not necessarily punishing your allies, but... Like shirking your drawbacks onto them. Like you'd push Was
0: that them. the that wasn't the Avenger, was it? No,
1: no, that, okay. that was a class. I'm saying they they had, they had oh, a they okay. had a thing that was like a background that would add like little minor details to your okay. to your characters. Um, and like you like you could push your like one of your allies into battle mm-hmm. and like uh, I think you could like kick a, him in the ass yeah, and like shove him in the Exactly. Combat. It was like it's like <laughs> an evil warlord at the Yeah, co- you're like using him as a
0: distraction. Here, take him.
1: Right. So <laughs> I think maybe for this Berserker you could um you could come up with inventive ways to sort of not necessarily so you suck the life out of your allies, <laughs> but um, but take your exhaustion out on them in some way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like
0: I'm worn out here. Why don't you tag me in or something? Right. Something.
1: I mean, there's there's something there. I know.
0: So it's it's very important that when you're designing a class and you're looking at these features, you're really gonna want to try to avoid changing some of the the bare bones uh, concepts. You don't right. like barbarian. You're not gonna want to get rid of his rage.
1: Right. No. You're no, no, gonna
0: no. find. You want to instead find a way to Alter the way the rage maybe affects the character. I guess um,
1: every time he gets mad, he gets an inch taller permanently. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: no, but uh, and, and the same goes for all the classes. You know, spellcasting, spellcasters. Right. Um, cha- taking away spellcasting from a spellcaster, their whole That's balance herring. is right. is hinged on how many spells they can cast and what they have access to. So those are the kind of things you really want to kind of be careful with, you know. Mm. So, you know, you get a +6 proficiency at level 20. Okay. Which shows these numbers are much smaller than they were in like 4th edition right. or any previous edition. Yeah, you could stack all that. So, kinds of constantly adding stuff to that bounded accuracy
1: system is really dangerous. Well, I th- I mean, that's one of the things I like about 5th edition because there's no feat taxes for proficiency. You don't have to you don't have to power game so much just to get through the game. Right. So that is cool. I'm yeah. I'm fine with that. Are you sure? yeah yeah, i'm sure
0: <laughs> so anyways when you're when you are uh building your class make sure you pay extra close attention to the features that these classes have right and that you're not trying to change them too much because they all have a reason to be there mm-hmm. but doesn't mean you can't supplement it with something of equivalent value mm-hmm. um that would be the best thing i would recommend as far as uh changing out different uh features so we're not obviously we're not going to go through every single one of these classes and nope. talk about all the stuff that they've that's important to them. You can read the unearthed Arcana yourself. Put well, a link in the
1: show notes or. Anything uh, like yeah, that.
0: The, the link is in the show notes, um, you. which you can find at our Patreon uh, at our Patreon dot com slash Grid Academy. <laughs> if um, you want to
1: be a Patreon and go check it out. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, well, the show notes are there for anybody to see. Right. Um, if you're a Patreon, you get next week's show ahead of time. <laughs> was that intentional? It was. Okay. <laughs> If you're a patron, mm-hmm. if you're a patron, you get a week, uh show notes a week ahead of time. So right. once again, that way you can kind of give your own two, two copper into our conversation, and maybe we'll bring up something specific that's important to you. Good deal. Or if it's not interesting, I won't. <laughs> so we are going to uh, follow through with one of these examples. Did you want to start with the... Uh, favorite soul? Yeah. Do we want to do the uh, favorite soul, then do yours, and well, kind we, of compare we, them? I mean,
1: we kind of talked about mine enough. Okay, um, you sure? Yeah, we... Basically, my thing was, you know, it's just trying to introduce a way to to give the ranger higher mobility with some extra damage um, and a couple, you know, a couple flavorful builds. But ultimately, my my class archetype it didn't it didn't follow the the mold as well as it should have. And I I did that because I didn't want to make it so he could jump off the map at level three. You know what I mean? Um, I would I wanted you to be able to work toward that. Does that make sense?
0: Uh, For all you fifth edition people, in fourth edition, everyone uses a grid because it's required. (laughs) So when he says off the map, he just means
1: really high. Yeah, just out of sight. So, you know, high enough that no one sees you. you This isn't fourth edition. Nobody's
0: going to jump out of sight. Unless there's trees.
1: No, but like, (laughs) so essentially, like, you would jump so high that, yeah, you could jump out of sight. Technic- no, you no, could not invent
0: Edition. No way. Did you read the rules for jumping? Have you ever? You would need a magic item. Oh,
1: that's what I'm. No, that's what I'm saying. So for this class, you, if, in fiction, you would jump so high no one could see you. Um, so you couldn't be targeted, and you would you wouldn't come back until next round. Was my idea.
0: That's an awesome idea.
1: Right. Um. So basically, you were gone for for. For rules purposes, I think you're gonna
0: have to make a pact with like a wind god.
1: Well, I don't know, but <laughs> dragoons can do it in Final Fantasy, by God. So why not in D and D? Fair enough.
0: No, uh, yeah, that was uh, like I said, I did the 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 dragoon before, and that was one of the things that I struggled with is the actual ruling right. on jump makes you jump like to struggle to reach ten feet.
1: So yeah, basically all <laughs> uh, everything that I saw is like ah, oh, I jumped a little ways and hit you with a thing, or like ah, oh, I jumped on you, dude. Um, but what I want yeah. is for you to be able to jump and. Be gone until next round. Like, again, the. Well, I think that's
0: where the wyvern would come in play. You could jump on your wyvern and then skydive. That's not how jumps
1: work. That's not how jumps work. Not Uh, Not in Final Fantasy. I want to get as close to that fiction as I can.
0: I play a dragoon in Final Fantasy 14.
1: Right, but they don't jump on their wyvern and go way up high.
0: No, but I also don't ain't locked into jumping ten
1: feet. Right, that's what I'm saying. So if we're talking about D and D,
0: and I don't stay off screen very long.
1: Let's t- okay, okay, okay. So if we're gonna, if we're gonna talk about this, let's let's talk about my let's talk about my rules. Okay, so let's let's bring this up. If we're gonna talk about it, so basically at, the way it worked is at third level, you had you had just a general improvement to your ability to jump. Now it's not jumping so good. You can jump a mountain. Yeah, so a third level, you'd be there was a statistical increase to your ability to jump based on your your strength score and your ranger level. Um, and then your wh-
0: level affects your jump.
1: Yeah, so Powerful. A, a, wait, a, as I mean, again, that's just your normal ass like ability to jump. Good um, doesn't so,
0: increase with your level.
1: Well, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm saying with this class. Oh, feature. Oh, okay, that's yeah.
0: that is the class feature. Right, okay. but then
1: also it gives you once per turn instead of an attack action, you can use a special jump attack action. Um, you expend the, your, all your remaining movement. You jump to any square within sight and your jump distance, making a melee attack against any adjacent foe, and then your turn is ended. So then <laughs> what that is, that's just your ability. That's, again, that's just coming to the jumping good. Like you there, jump... There's.
0: The, um. Yeah, there we don't talk in squares. In, well, yeah, I know. in any other edition, I don't. That's I'm yeah. sorry. That's why I was that's giggling because you said square. So it's ba- <laughs> not okay. a thing. But okay. I get you. Okay. I get you. So, so just, you would jump. Well, you, you got me on varies. So I'm gonna <laughs> kick in the balls about squares. Okay.
1: okay. Yeah, I think in I think in grids, I can't help that. But so you would jump. You know. You, okay. So what you, about hexes? Whatever. Not a I don't. I don't do spaceship games. So I'm not a hex guy. Um. I not mean, like hex. Well. Um, you, you would jump a certain number of feet, squares, feet. You would jump. That's all it is. It's what about a, a, a meters? The square is like six feet.
0: No, uh, five feet actually. Whatever.
1: Um, so you would jump. You're a, a power certain
0: gamer, right? Are you do not doing math right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you would jump a certain <laughs> distance, equal to you know your strength modifier and you know your level. Blah blah uh-huh. blah. Um, but it would end your turn when you got there. Okay. And then at seventh level, so third level, you get a you get an improved jump. Just so at that general. point
0: you've already made the attack when your turn ends. Right, you've so you, landed you make there. your
1: attack, your turn's over. Okay. Um, at seventh level, now you can choose between an improved jump, which basically what happens is, is you no longer take falling damage um, when you jump. You, when you take the jump attack action, um, you're not provoking opportunity attacks from enemies your size or smaller. Or instead of improving your jump, you can now call a Wyvern ally that moves when you move, or you can use your action to make it attack. Now, I didn't didn't come up with stat blocks for the Wyverns. I, my original thought was wouldn't it be cool if you could pick one that had a certain elemental sort of alignment? You know what I mean? Like, let's say... Like, know, shoot lightning and, bolts. Yeah, and that would be your guy. I mean, that you, that's the one you picked. Um, and then, at eleventh level, now you can high jump so this vision that I have for Dragoon is realized at eleventh level well, so i want
0: I want to kind of put you back to seventh um because i This is really strong.
1: No falling damage. No falling damage is really strong. You probably have to have. There'd have have to
0: be some sort of height from a certain height. Okay. Or uh, what we did for our monster variant Mm -hmm. is we let him split the fall damage between him and the enemy, boosting his damage. Okay. And we only reduced it by half.
1: That's interesting. Um, It it, it does does add a certain level of drawback. Yeah, you don't want him
0: jumping out of a fucking... Uh, airship from three hundred right. feet and like I've got this, guys. I'll see you back. You know, well, I mean, within reason. Okay,
1: right. so the. I'll say let's just say reduce falling damage to some degree. Yeah, this is just a character. Well, then, that, that's
0: why. That, yeah, that, that's what I was saying. I, I think that that's a good a good feature. Right. I i don't think no fall damage right there's got like no fall damage from like less than 50 feet or 100 feet or something though in in your defense i guess sid um, highwind
1: never never be hurting at all when he jumps
0: well you know what (laughs) it's not fucking sid highwind but um it says you take uh 1d6 for every 10 feet up to 20d6 i think that's bullshit okay because 20d6 a lot of people can survive that. Right. That's basically saying that's the max, and I assume that has to do with terminal velocity or whatever right. they came up with. But yeah. I don't care. When you fall from the sky, you go splat. That's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and again, I agree with that 100%. So when I wrote this up, it was just like, let's give me an idea of what we want to do. And right,
0: but I definitely I like it. Now, let's see how that compares to what the Ranger
1: gets at level 7. Level 7 for Ranger yeah, let's let's find Let's out. just take a look, <laughs> just for some comparison's sake. Not as good. I'm gonna guess. Well, because well, Ranger's not that great anyway.
0: Yeah, but the reason it's not great isn't so much uh, because it doesn't have good utility. I just think some of the the features aren't strong
1: enough. That's like what I mean. And damage. that's that's why I thought this. So would be this good.
0: says uh, I don't know. That at level seven, you get
1: you you make a choice between. Yes. Okay.
0: You. Depending on your on your archetype. So, for instance, uh... Well, actually, yeah. You get one based on your archetype and one not on your archetype.
1: Right. Third
0: level, fourth level, fifth level. Actually, on this, it's eighth level. So, at, uh... Eighth level. You get land stride at eighth level, um... Which is increased movement, Mm -hmm. uh moving through non-magical difficult terrain costs no extra movement. You can also pass through non-magical plants without being slowed by them and without taking damage from them if they have thorns, spines, and other similar hazards. In addition, you have advantage on saving throws against plants that are magically created or manipulated uh, to impede movement, such as uh, those created by the Entangle spell. Broken.
1: Broken. You think so? It's way better than my thing. (laughs)
0: so uh now uh for your archetype you also get something you get something level seven so in this case you get uh for the hunter you'll get defensive tactics right yeah so at seventh level you gain one of the following features escape the horde the opportunity attacks against you are made with disadvantage which is good for stabbing and getting away right right uh you can use uh multi-attack defense when a creature hits you uh with an attack you gain a plus four bonus to ac against all subsequent attacks which is great against multi-attack monsters which the higher you get the right. more of those there are right and then uh steel will you will have advantage on saving throws against being frightened so that's for the hunter the hunter
1: and then beastmaster. what do they get
0: and then the Beastmaster gets exceptional training. Beginning at 7th level, on, your, uh, on any of your turns, when your Beast Companion doesn't attack, you can use a bonus action to command the Beast to take the dash, dodge, or help action.
1: Well, again, Ranger's kind of bad. Yeah. So, so
0: But those, those, those are three comparisons. So this isn't completely out of line. just with, needs to
1: be tweaked a little yeah,
0: bit. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was trying to get As I right. don't think that, that the no falling damage is definitely outlined. But right. I think for the most idea, the concept
1: is not right bad for that level. So what happens is is not provoking opportunity attacks only applies to the jump action. So you would still take opportunity attacks if you just walked away. If you away. just moved away. Okay. So, yeah. And the, uh, keep in mind, the jump attack ends your turn. Okay. So that's not too bad. Now, at 11th level, um, that's where you get your high jump. That's when you get the thing that Dragoons do. Right. Um, so, it, and again, the high jump I, I wrote, if you're outdoors, you can jump attack out of sight and land at the beginning of your next turn. And then, again, the jump that jump attack might do some amount of extra damage. Now, I the reason why... Right. Well, again, the reason, <laughs> just ostensibly you jump so high that no one can see you. Um, now, Into this a, you wouldn't be able to do this outside of combat. Can't tell of, if you're a bird or a plane. Right. Outside of combat, you wouldn't be able <laughs> to do a man this. man in tights. But um, the jump attack would have to deal some amount of extra damage because Wait. when you land next turn, that's your whole turn.
0: You said you can't do it outside of combat? No. Well, why not? Well, Why is this a technique that you know only limited to a combat scenario? <laughs> Give me a great reason for that. Because actually, I just asked my friend who just made a custom class.
1: Because Kane couldn't question. do that.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so when they're trying to get up to that top balcony, he's like, sorry, I can't help you. i got to walk up the stairs. Right.
1: Well, no, he could jump. I mean, again, keep in mind, your jump is improving outside of combat. Um, just not till as high as he can go normally. Yeah, yeah, it's not so high that you can't see him anymore. Right. Um, so
0: um, I actually had a friend, uh, and it's funny, he's actually building custom classes based on Final Fantasy fourteen. Sweet. Similar to this. Right. And he had a unique skill that was, he said you can only use it in combat. Interesting. And I asked him, why can you only do that in combat and not outside That's of a combat? a good question. If you're that strong all the time. Right. And his simple answer was adrenaline. That's fair. And that was actually a really good excuse of why he could only do this one particular thing. Right in the midst of combat
1: so what i what i put was you can jump attack out of sight so of course you could do your normal jump attack maybe this could say once per encounter or maybe once a day you can jump completely out of sight so that way it can be relayed back to adrenaline so maybe you're at this moment you are so charged up you can jump so fucking high that nobody can see and then you come back down next i
0: almost turn. feel like it would be easier just to let them jump and then give them invisibility <laughs> Well, but that's that's boring. <laughs> but um, he's out of
1: sight. But that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> right, that's right. a trick. He's an, he's not a ninja. He's a dragoon. And then and then <laughs> again, if you if you went the wyvern path, now your wyvern can you know can attack your target as so a bonus they don't.
0: Action. So they had would have to choose between the high jump and the wyvern.
1: Correct. So you only you either are jumping real real you know strong, like your jump is is improved, or you're getting the ability to, okay. to improve your wyvern because um, I feel again, it's a, it's a ranger, so I thought, how cool would it be to have a, a wyvern companion as right. a dragoon? Um, so there you've got your, you've got your high jump. And then at 15th, now this is where I think, this is where I think I, uh, I, I'm i not doing as well as as the player's handbook, because now it's still, it's still focusing on jumping in wyverns, and, you know, I don't know what they get at 15th level. Um, so maybe... Let's talk about it. Right.
0: At 15th level, uh... Under the Hunter, you get the Superior Hunter's Defense, which basically gives you evasion. You can nimbly dodge out of the way of certain area of effects, such as a Red Dragon's Fiery Breath or a Lightning Bolt spell. Mm. When you are subjected to an effect that allows you to make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, you instead take no damage. It's not bad. Uh, If you succeed on a saving throw, you only take half damage. You also get Stand Against the Tide. When a hostile creature misses you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to force that creature to repeat the same attack against another creature other than itself. So you also choice. get that. Yeah, you're basically. Uh, I envision this, and now when I use this with my polearm dragoon, mm-hmm. um, this to me was me using my polearm to redirect their blow I to see. the nearest person, like a parry.
1: And you're referring to a ranger that you made as a dragoon. I just in... reflavored it. Okay. Yeah, It wasn't a.
0: I didn't rebuild anything. Right. I basically. Um, was allowed one magic item, and I took the jumping ring. Okay, and I took polearm arm master feet. Perfect, which is perfect for this concept. Right, um, and that that's something actually I was going to point to you when we finished up that maybe in, somehow including some of that feet into right the
1: and keep in mind like you can add like we were talking about the jump spell you can add that in and it makes your you know your 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 regular jumping so much better because you're already getting a bonus. So that might be kinda busted anyway.
0: Yeah. And you also get uncanny dodge. (laughs) When attackers This is all at fifteen? Yeah, this is all at fifteen for the hunter. Holy shit! And it says you get uncanny dodge. When the attacker you can see hit you with an attack, you can use your reaction to half the attack's damage against you.
1: So my fifteenth level is not correct. Basically, I, I, all I did was just give it's two, not strong enough. No, I just gave two features. So basically, you could choose between crushing jump, which says the target, uh, a target of your size or smaller falls prone when you when it's hit with a jump attack. That's high jump or regular jump. Um, and so takes, there's no save for that. No, you just got a guy landed on you, so you fall prone. Um, and then it takes extra damage depending on the kind of armor you're wearing. So if you're wearing medium armor, you take X amount more. If you're wearing heavy armor, you take... Are you more. suggesting
0: that the, army, the armor that he wears doesn't impede his ability
1: to jump? Well... Um, is there
0: a trade-off there? I, 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 I had not
1: considered that, um, to be honest with okay. you. Okay, that's fine. and again I mean, this is something you just threw together. The 15, Yeah, the 15th level really probably should have a little more than just that because it's kind of boring i'm just focusing on jumping i haven't included a whole lot of defensive options now when we talk about the wyvern choice um, basically now your wyvern acts as like a little baby tank and it says um, once per turn when an enemy within sight and range of your wyvern ally makes an attack against you you can spend your reaction for your wyvern ally to make an opportunity attack against them so your wyvern is, is basically behaving like um, a tank that has a mark um, on an enemy who who did not you know, follow your mark. Yeah. So, um, which I thought was pretty cool.
0: That's another fourth edition thing. It right. is an
1: optional rule
0: in the DMG, though. Really, marking is optional. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, where they get,
1: uh, yeah, the, it gives
0: disadvantage. This
1: works more like the defensive auras. Some of the characters in Forty mm-hmm. had where if you were in that aura and you betrayed that mark, you got you punished. Pop. It was yeah. a
0: punishment. Yeah. So, if anything, your character might, other than jumping out of sight, thing it mm-hmm. might actually be not a good class right
1: might need a little bit more buff so you know if any listeners want to add to that that's cool i mean
0: yeah um uh, i think really i would say of all the changes of all the things you made i think i would add some sort of cooldown or some sort of defensive maneuver
1: defensive Um, maneuver needs to happen like
0: it in Final Fantasy fourteen, my mm-hmm. dragoon has a retreat ability. I jump, but oh. I
1: jump like fifty feet back. That's sweet. That works perfect. So again, I didn't consider anything other than how do I make jumps work offensively in a way that reminds me of Final Fantasy. Except um, fourteen apparently. Well guess yeah, I didn't play fourteen.
0: You should, it's awesome. I know.
1: But you know, I ain't got time for that. Uh, <laughs> you make time.
0: It, it's it's good. The really? story's awesome, yeah. Damn. New content every three months.
1: Yeah? Yeah, you I'm not I'm, even caught up. You on. know what I am playing though. What? Brave Exvius. I play the balls is off it that good? game. Dude, that's a that's I, a phone game, isn't yep, it? I've played that game since launch. Have not missed a login day. But anyway, that's my problem. Um,
0: <laughs> Doesn't that game play by itself? No, you, like auto mode and you can,
1: run? but it's not going to work. Um, the, it's good because of the there are some challenging trials later in the game mm. where you have to like actually strategize. The only difficult parts of the game are like the elite yeah. I played level. it. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, the elite level trials. Like if you're if you're no just, wait no
0: not Envious. What is the other one?
1: Xvius um, you're talking. About, are you talking about the the 3D one that was called? No, I. Pl-
0: yeah, no, I played the one with its really classic style. It looks like little sprites. Yeah, that's Exvious. Yeah, that's the one I played. Then yeah, I did uh, play it for. a while. I played it for like a month, I think. Yeah, I played it for almost. It was a year good. Now. Oh god, it's a good game. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: But anyway, so so basically, what we could do with this with this just sketch of a character is maybe at like one of the earlier levels, you could get your retreat jump, and then at 15th level. Um, what else can you do as a Dragoon in, in Final Fantasy XIV? Like maybe you could draw more for like
0: that. offense or defense?
1: Defense or utility. Even.
0: Um, they have a parry ability, which is very – and actually you don't have to add anything. You could use maybe one of the, the traits that are already here too. Right. You know, we talked about, you know, at 15th level you get the uh, Hunter's defense. Maybe you just give him part of that. Maybe you give him the stand against the tide mm-hmm. where he gives him a reaction to uh, – to, uh, Jump
1: out of the way. Yeah, Boing? jump back.
0: Yeah. Um, well, in this case, it uh, allows you to uh, use your reaction to force it to repeat the same attack against another target, um, which is a parry, basically. Um,
1: maybe you could maybe you could sacrifice your wyvern in that way. Like the you, you could force him to re-attack, but then like redirect, redirect it, it to, to your the wyvern. wyvern. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you could use features that are already in here, and that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. When you're developing your character, you If there's already a class feature that's already maybe maybe you want to focus on offense like you did, okay. Well, what defenses do they give, and can I fit those into what I'm trying to do? Keep
1: in mind, my my idea of a ranger is just a murder machine because in four E he was a beast. Yeah, twin Um, strikes was pretty uh, pretty disgusting. So I think one of the reasons ranger is so bad in fifth edition is he's just not doing the DPR that I think that people expect. Um and his spells are just okay. I I think
0: I think with one change the hunter ranger can be a lot better. Yeah. I think um the spell that they use for hunter's mark mm-hmm. I don't think it should be a spell.
2: Right. I think it should, it should be, just a be a feature.
0: feature that they can just use. Right. And we played it that way, and because of that, I had a ranger who did just fine mm-hmm. with everyone else. I don't. We don't know the 100% how to save the the Beastmaster, because as long as you're, get, you're not letting it use its own attack, it's never going to be strong. Right. So we just let it use its own attack.
1: Well, the, this, the Wyvern here, I mean, when you get to, like think it was 7th level, now your Wyvern can attack as a bonus. It's just an extra attack that your Wyvern does.
0: Right. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go through the Unearthed Arcana's example of... Like a, a change of the ranger, Real good. And we're gonna compare it to with what you did, and then we're going to laugh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, um, they released uh, one of the new an unearthed Arcana with the spellless ranger. Right. Um, basically, right now, if you want to play something closer to like Strider of Lord of the Rings, and that's not really magical, that's not really a choice in the the player's handbook right now. So, right. the example that they give, you know, they want to create a, a spellless. Spellless Ranger, and we talked earlier about how in some of those classes, those are really critical. Yeah, and this does Im- has a big impact on the ranger class, so it's not a small task that for them to undertake.
1: Yeah, I read this. It's almost like it's almost like they took parts of the fighter and fit it in. It's ranger. exactly
0: what they did. Yep. They took the the battle master archetype stuff. Yeah,
1: but at that point again, fighter is so good. Just play a fighter. That's where I think they're between. Well, there's certain no, there's
0: certain things that they did differently though that the fighter doesn't have, and I think that's why it shines oh, so good. Okay, while it does have some of the regular attacks, it doesn't. The fighter didn't have the utility that the oh. spellless ranger brings okay and i think that was the big draw to it versus the current rangers and even taking a fighter because mm-hmm. the fighter does get the uh the um, archery archetype yeah so they can it is a viable build right so what they did is said okay well when they actually we're, let's just go through this and actually talks about why they did those sure. things so Looking overall, you know, all overall the Ranger spells, uh, you might come uh, to a couple different conclusions about what spellcasting features really are contributing to the class before we remove them. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rangers have a lot of exploration utilities, whether it's detect uh, poison and disease or bee sense or conjure animals. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of combat potency, like Hunter's Mark as a spell, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we kind of touched on that. I didn't think that was powerful enough, so I actually right. just gave it as that something they can use as much as they wanted but right. it can only affect one target at a time. Okay. Right? And that's closer to how 4th edition was. Right. You was can just, just set mark. your mark. Yeah. Your um, mark. And actually, that made, at the time, before, this, before the Unearthed Arcana, made it enjoyable for my player to play the Ranger without breaking their combat. My only question
1: is, what spell do you replace it with? Because there's, like, Cure Wounds. I didn't,
0: I didn't replace it. I just said you can cast it as a free at will.
1: Yeah, but now they have room for another spell. And yeah, like, but they only have like two spell slots at level like three. three they, have level, they have three spell slots. No, he's not a yeah. wizard. You know what I mean? It's just, right. But his, but his spell, like the choices he has for spells is so paltry that if you give them Hunter's Mark as just a class feature, okay, that's fine. They were going to take it as a spell anyway. Right. What do you replace it with? You well, know.
0: you could have placed with anything. You know, we, we, we force them to take... They might take cure wounds, but they don't have to. They should. Their, their spell list is actually pretty nice. Size. Mm-hmm. Hey, whether it's a utility, like entangle uh, entangle shot or...
1: And whether you um, get to use it once every three times you come out to play, you know.
0: So you have 13 uh, spells at first level to choose 13 spells,
1: and like five of them are any good.
0: You're right. There's not a super huge list, but for level ones, I mean, you're not meant to be a primary caster.
1: Right. Which is the problem with rangers, because why give them spellcasting in the first place if you're not going to help them?
0: And that's kind of what this UA is talking about, is that it's meant to be utility abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, they're looking at some of the other things. You get some restoration and detect poison. We kind of detect poison disease. We talk about that. Some utility, spike growth, you know, conjure barrage. And at some levels, at rich rain, the ranger gains new uh, spell levels. This uh, this is the only real class feature the character receives. As a result, the ranger will really need additional class features to kind of level off the ones that we're removing, right? Right. Since they're not going to have spells at all. So given the usefulness of Cure Wounds, right, you would, would you agree that that's one of the better spells on that spell list? I would list? pick it almost
1: always. Um, yeah,
0: so and that's kind of what they talk about. says we got to make sure that they at least have access to some sort of healing. Curative, yeah, yeah something. Yeah, if, if we can't give them cure wounds, what can we kind of give them in, in in place of that?
1: You can make Goodberry a class feature.
0: Oh, there you go. That could be something that they can just scrounge around and look for. Yeah. Maybe. Um Additionally, since the ranger is, you know, uh, likely in need of some extra combat utility uh, that those spells usually provide, mm-hmm. um, we need to make sure that we add, we're, uh, we're going to add something in addition to that. In this case, combat superiority stuff from the battle fighter. master fighter, right? Right, right. Um, those maneuvers give you the utility that they're losing from, like, the ensnaring strike or the... Uh, what was the other one? Something barrage.
1: A little extra uh, damage, too.
0: Yeah, conjure barrage. Um, uh, they do kind of touch on that you want to make sure that the ranger doesn't outshine the battle master fighter with those not techniques right <laughs> well it it it, de- it depends if you give them too many of those right. it it could right you know I might give you only two maneuvers but if I give you like six superiority dice right you're then going to outshine that right
1: yeah absolutely are you sure no I'm just fucking with you <laughs> <laughs> I hate you <laughs> The ranger's not going to outshine the fighter. God, I mean, he's going to have less hit points. He's going to have less armor. He's going to have... He's not going to have... You know, the, the, the class features you get with fighter are phenomenal. And then you're going to have multi-classing options, too, that the fighter's going to benefit more from. I mean, the ranger needs help. And I, I do think that this is a good start, though. Right. I, I think that this would be a good thing where if you use the spellless ranger and then maybe give him a homebrew class feature like we're talking, he's probably super viable and could be really fun. And then, like maybe don't give him a combat-focused homebrew feature. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But give him something for mobility or for stealth or for... You know, well he already
0: like, gets the favored terrain stuff which really helps with mobility
1: right sometimes um, doesn't it increase your speed when I you're think in it's your... one terrain though or like or, it, right the, right yeah, to begin with it's like yeah I'm real good over here but piss on mountains <laughs> you know I can't I can't do it I've just got these weak ankles man <laughs> so uh,
0: once we've kind of given them the, the kind of the combat superiority dice from the battle master um, there's not a whole lot that they they really change anything out until ninth and 13th levels are uh, uh, those are gaps. Uh, where they really need to uh, place some exploration focused mechanics to kind of offset what they lost. Okay. Uh, the first model in this case that they look at is like protection from poison spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of also gives the uh, poultice that they're using in place of healing an improved effect. Yeah. Right? Which is kind of equivalent of scaling with spells.
1: Okay. Do they get a poultice feature to start with?
0: Yeah. The second thing that they wanted to model was the conjure animal spell, which that can be great for exploration as well as combat scenes, right? Because right. you just whistle and fucking apes come, not probably, well, apes are beasts, you know, come flying through out of the woods That's and true. landing on people like Planet of the Apes. Right. Which, apes are awesome, by the way.
1: In general, like, are you are you pandering to the ape inv- uh, listeners you have? <laughs>
0: Well, I assume anybody, the two people that are listening to this show must be apes because that's about as interesting as the show is sometimes. (laughs) Oh, wait, no. You're listening right now.
1: God. To my voice. I didn't mean to. See, this is is terrible. You tricked me into being your third listener.
0: (laughs) I'm in trouble. Uh, All right. So... um, at 17th level, we have a re- another gap that's being left because of uh, spells being missing. So right. um, they're going to add improvements to combat superiority. And then finally, uh, they they needed to really consider the impact of these changes on other class and how are they going to affect those other classes? Are they going to outshine them? Anything like that? Obviously, you're pretty right. hell-bent on, fuck no, they won't. <laughs> well, because, I mean, for but,
1: he- yeah, like I say, it's, he's not going to beat the fighter.
0: Additionally, since Private Evil Awareness uh, requires the ranger to expend spell slots to activate the class feature, they end up choosing to modify the feature to allow the ranger to use it and regain it after finishing a short or long rest. Mm. So instead of relying on burning these spell slots, they can just use it so many times between engagements, which is pretty good.
1: The same thing as, yeah. See, look at this, though. All right, so so if we're going to talk about efficacy versus cure wounds the poultices you create cannot be applied by anyone but you um i don't understand why poultices, can anybody
0: else cast your cure wounds well no
1: but poultices i don't are, see how that's any different poultices or poultices i mean if you create a, an item like a poultice if, if someone is trained in um in a. Uh, Shit, what would it medicine. be medicine medicine if someone's trained in medicine they should be able to apply your poultice
0: and, and, and i'll tell you what as a dm right i would allow that if you were trained in medicine right so i think that that's an easy one to deal with and overcome correct some say well it says uh, can i apply this well it says only he can well i'm trained in medicine oh that makes sense
1: yeah, i think any
0: be. dm would rule it that way but you're right that's, that's right. actually something that i don't agree with
1: i don't know why they would put that in there but it seems fine. I mean, well, it's again,
0: probably maybe stop you from making like ten and just
1: passing them. But see, they <laughs> but pass, you have a they, wisdom they're, they're, limit, right? There's a wisdom limit, and they're they're no longer effective after 24 hours.
0: Right, so you can't stockpile them.
1: Correct. Which is good. Yeah, it's fine, especially at third level. You don't want to be. But you know, I think
0: like, that that's a fairly good, uh, a fairly good trade off. It's a
1: fairly yeah odd parents. It's you got it.
0: <laughs> um, but you're right. I do think that I would also allow somebody that's trained in medicine to do it for sure to uh, spread it. That is our... So do you have anything you want to touch on about class building before we head out?
1: No, I mean, we've talked about clowns. We've talked about (laughs) Martin Lawrence and the Black Knight. We've talked about my pretty good dragoon that does need work, but let's be fair. I did it 15 minutes before I came out, so <laughs> did you really? <laughs> yeah. Mm. The high jump is the thing that I was. Really I, but
0: I, learning. I do, I do see where you're going, and I do think that that could be a really fun concept. Right. I know because I ran it.
1: Right. We can, just not
0: jumping so far that nobody can see. Well, that's
1: the point, man. He goes away for a turn. That's, well, what if, what
0: if what if somebody's got like a fucking telescope or something? Then you can see him, Spy- I guess.
1: Spyglass. But it doesn't change the fact that he's not back until next turn. So, like, let's say you're. You've got fucking so super good eyeballs. You're
0: super smart. How high do you got to jump before before you reach back down in 10 seconds?
1: I don't know. I'm not that smart. It's got to be pretty high. Well, what you have to understand is like the jump up is also part of that time. So you don't have to jump that high. We're talking about a game where you can shoot fire out of your fingertips. I
0: know, but i don't know it's hard I, I i mean i understand why it should work because right. it's fantasy right what i don't understand is following the fantasy rules of fall right that says you fall at 60 feet aside or 60 feet per i think it actually says 60 feet, 60 per feet
1: so 60 so you feet would need to jump 60 feet 60 feet okay so if you need to jump 60 feet um there's no way <laughs>
0: No, that's your wyvern's got to like grab your ass by the shoulder and no, fly that's you up not there. The way.
1: It's fully within reason. Okay, so let's say okay, so let's say you could you're still within sight, but you jump high enough that you don't land until there next you go round. That's better. But what happens now is is it, <laughs> it doesn't make it such a busted thing because potentially you could be targeted during your jump.
0: Oh, you certainly would be.
1: So, I mean, I guess you'd have to. You'd have to be able to, to fend off attacks if that was the case, and that's cool too because you kind of work like a you work like a flare for your team if you want to distract a large yeah, monster. Yeah, distracting them. So now you've jumped way up high and you you're delay you're 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 out of the way for most attacks. Like if they're doing an area of effect attack or like if there's something in the environment that you want to get away from. Right, right, You can use your jump to do that. That, that makes
0: around. a lot more sense to me than jumping until right. you can, nobody can see you. But no that's, more. That's why
1: I brought this is so we could hammer out the details <laughs> and like kind of come up with something interesting. The spellless aspects of the ranger, these maneuvers—they're not replacing the hunter archetype. So you're still right. Getting, right. So you're still getting the hunter archetype. Now, what's cool is if I'm not mistaken, those maneuvers happen alongside an attack, right? Yes. So potentially, if you were to use this homebrewed version of dragoon as an archetype and pair it with the hunter. spellless uh, spellless uh, ranger, you could have these really neat maneuvers that go along with your jumps. Right. Um, which could be really sweet. I think there's one that lets you shift two squares after you... Uh, I say squares,
0: but let's... let's squares, let's, he means 10 feet.
1: Yeah, so the, the is one that lets you shift away after an attack. So let's say you jump and you land next to the guy. You could shift away when you're done. You know what I mean? Um, you still end your turn, but because of the maneuver, that happens as part of the jump.
0: Yeah, so in 5th in edition, they, that would be similar to disengage. So right. So they could disengage 10 feet,
1: I believe, or something I, like that. I believe there is a maneuver that lets you do that. So... If we hammered out this this dragoon sketch into something that actually functions as a ranger archetype and paired it with this spellless hunter, that could be pretty powerful and fun. I would agree. Maybe uh, that's
0: something that we can work towards, and we can post it for the uh, yeah man the listeners. Sounds I definitely like will go point. through and do it at some point.
1: But anyway, I still want him to be able to jump so high you can't see him. <laughs> 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 Fair cool. enough.
0: So <laughs> that is our uh, main topic of the podcast: creating custom class options. Before we move into our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segments, we'd like to take a minute to thank another one of our fellowship members, Smith. All of Crit Nation has another chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. That's two. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness.
1: Smith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create the f- their first standalone adventure, *The Claws of Madness*. This best-selling adventure is one you don't want to miss. Yes. <laughs>
0: this week's winner is *The Eye of the Wise*. We needed a drum roll. Congratulations to Eye of the Wise. Um, if you enjoy the adventure, please let Smith know or send us an email and let us know. Make sure to give him a five-star rating. Now, moving on to our favorite subject, our unearthed tips and tricks. If you don't know, since Cody, since you're new... Mm. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks are several little segments where we've come up with creative content for DMs and for players for them to use in their games. Additionally we offer little tips and tricks uh, little things that they can do to help improve their game. Our first Unearthed Tips and trick is our character concept. This week we have the Wizards Inc. Now this one actually might require a little bit of DM discretion because it's kind of out there but The concept is the wizard actually, maybe he's really forgetful or he constantly loses his his spell book. So he decides to just start tattooing all of his spells all over his body so that he can't lose them.
1: Was that Christopher Nolan movie that was like played in reverse or in segments? God damn it.
0: I don't think it was called that.
1: It's super was not, God damn it. It was... um, anyway that kind of reminds me of that he used to leave notes for himself he was super forgetful so a wizard that has to leave notes all over his body i think would be pretty neat
0: well it'd be it'd be pretty funny too because i can just imagine the player describing it well wait wait i'm gonna i'm gonna chance a spell i hold i hold up my arm and i twist my arm so he can read around the underside of it or something stupid like that or he's got mirrors to
1: memento i think it was memento was the name of the memento movie. yeah i
0: haven't seen it but i'll have to watch that yeah um, but I can, I can envision him having like mirrors so he can see tattoos that are on his back and right. stuff when he's, when, he's, when he's preparing his spells.
1: Does he have dark vision? Because um, he's deb- fucked, if not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, de- it depends. Um, really, they, the, the way I understand it is they just prepare their spells at night so as, or after they're resting. Right. So at that point, once he's been able to read them, he's probably
1: fine. But his memory sucks.
0: Yeah, well, let's hope we can hold on to remember him see, for a day. That's the thing. But, I mean, and it doesn't have to just be memor Like, we talked about maybe it get, he it gets left somewhere all the time, or he loses it, or it's constantly being stolen, because he'll, you know, go out for some weasel legs or something and leave his book on the counter. Weasel legs?
1: Weasel legs. Is that what he calls his member?
0: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Mm, uh, boy, let me get that weasel leg.
0: If it's in a spot where he can't read, if he is the type of character who carries a familiar, maybe he uses his <laughs> familiar to read what's <laughs> on his back. <laughs> Oh no! You don't like that? Scrack! Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even if it backfires when you roll a really low number, that you just blame the familiar for yeah. enchan- for telling you the chant wrong. Right? I don't know. I I think that this would be a really fun uh, concept just from a role play it, aspect.
1: Okay, so to me, it would be funnier if you wrote your spells on your familiar, like you had a, you had a, <laughs> so you had a shaved owl bear or something, right? And uh, you wrote all your spells on your on your sweet sweet friend. <laughs> And then you had to chase him down to get all your spells remembered. <laughs> he's, your, he's your spell
0: bear. That's funny. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's very cool. Uh, we always try to give you guys something uh, good that you can play. It doesn't matter what race or what type of archetype. And this Specifically, this is wizard, but you're not really tied to a wizard, right? Uh, any other class that has to prepare spells, right?
1: If you're a barbarian, you could just write, Get mad on all your friends' <laughs> backs.
0: <laughs> That's funny. All right. Um, so that is our character concept, the wizard's ink.
1: Alright, so we've got a monster variant here called Thundering Ogre. So now, for, the, for, this, uh, for this monster variant, I'm assuming you're taking an ogre And giving him these features, right? Yes, so
0: what we always try to do is we try to, instead of changing and creating new monsters, we take existing one, stat blocks, and just give them additional features that make them stand out amongst the rest.
1: Right. So first we've got Thunderous Strike. When this creature takes the attack action with any bludgeoning weapon, it can use its bonus action to imbue the attack with thunder magic, causing its weapon to ring with thunder that is audible within 300 feet. Uh, The attack deals an extra 1d8 thunder damage. Regardless if the attack is successful, the creature must succeed a strength saving throw of 13 or be pushed back 10 feet and is knocked prone. And then our second feature would be Earth Splitter. The creature uses its action to strike the ground, opening fissures in a 15-foot cone effect uh, in the front. All creatures make a dex save of 12. On a failed save, the target's foot is caught in a fissure and the target is grappled. Interesting. The target can break the grapple with a DEX or Strength check DC thirteen. Um, grappled is an interesting choice there, bud. Why? Because his foot stuck in the ground. Is, is, is the ground the condition?
0: The right. c- it's called co- a condition and. F- it's a condition which means his movement zero really so yeah. it's
1: not restrained like in no a restrained is
0: its own condition
1: what's the difference
0: uh grappled is actions. just yeah grappled is just zero movement
1: okay so rooted then i would i would probably but i guess but not, that's not a not it's not a condition grapple that's asinine um right but i didn't
0: develop the book but i try right. really hard to state. so this is actually um something that i've used right um i always felt that the bigger the creature is the more kind of booming they should be i guess you could say big boom um, loud mix. and i imagine giant this giant ogre swinging this just massive you know stalactite okay. as a weapon when he hits it it should create a big noise it should create uh you know a shockwave that knocks the knocks the the players loose or jars them a little bit or right. stuns their gro- you know stuns their footing or you know i always feel that those things are important to right. that type of combat
1: that way i could jump out of the way for a round
0: out of out of sight <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can jump <laughs> out of the
1: way and be gone. I'm not getting earth-splitted or thunderstruck.
0: Um, <laughs> thunderstruck.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Exactly anyway, right.
0: This really gave me a way to take a group of ogres and make one a little bit different who was kind of the leader.
1: Would would, would the players have any way to know um, just based on looking at the ogres if one, if one was like a real big AC/DC fan?
0: um you know what uh, probably by his tattoo yeah. he's got a nice big tattoo right on his shoulder. shoulders it says acdc on it. it of course it's not in common it's it is in giant
1: okay so you have to yeah so you
0: have to speak giant to know
1: that's what I, it says the lead singer of acdc was incredibly small um. <laughs> really yeah so i mean well then then the ogres wouldn't look up to him then, right they'd be, have to look down it'd to him. be a funny yeah, it'd be a funny uh dicha- oh, no we're good you can yeah what, you I got, your I got to no jokes there, man. I tried. I really did. I well, got- now
0: you know my daily struggle. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. But yes, so this gives them a little bit more surprise too, especially if me personally, I try to make all my uh, NPCs different, mm-hmm. whether I give them different armors or one's got an eye patch or one's got a boot. Right. Um so they for me it's harder for them to understand uh just by my description who might be in charge until mm-hmm. they start to interact and you see okay the way they react oh. to this guy he's bigger and he seems to be kind of running the show but when they fight the other first three or four and nothing happens and they go to this guy goes to swat him and all of a sudden there's a booming echo and the ground rips open and their feet get caught in it you know right. it creates a very terrain based uh, engagement mm-hmm. which I'm a big fan of I love anytime you can get away from just doing extra damage mm-hmm. um, yeah, now this one yes does happen to do extra damage but also you know it creates this audible sound now if you really wanted to you could add like a deafened feature to that
1: speaking of audible um, one of our sponsors today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> visit uh, audibletrials.com slash critacademy right so that is our monster variant of the podcast uh, thundering ogre our encounter of the podcast is Lost in the Desert. Now, we all have been in, and you're a fourth edition, so this is probably the whole game, but <laughs> um, travel uh, from point A to point B, Also, most often they do one die roll and it gets hand-waved. Um, that's generally what happens in, in travel or searching or any of that stuff. Which sucks, yeah. It's not, it's not fun. No. But if you don't like that stuff, then hey, you know what? more power to you whatever well
1: no I mean it sucks just to dice roll it away I think it's fun to you know to have to actually deal with it especially right. in a game like 4 You where it's so combat heavy anyway it's Shake a nice it departure up. departure
0: right. from it so our encounter today is really focused on that there's not really any combat in this scenario I've used the scenario so what I did is the, the my heroes had to go and find this this legendary library it's out in the middle of the desert right. nobody knows where they can find it you know they gathered some hints they had a general idea where to go right Problem is, it was so old, it finally got buried in the sand. Oh, okay. So even as they're searching, they actually get caught in the desert. And they're trying to solve the puzzles that they can based on the information they have. Mm -hmm. Sadly, they didn't really have anybody with a high intelligence Hmm. or even survival. Hmm. So it made the encounter that much more deadly. (laughs) I'm not even kidding about deadly. I lost a couple people. But the point of the adventure was to tax them in a way that wasn't... uh, you know, draining their combat resources. Right. So some of the things that I ended up doing is starvation because Mm -hmm. they didn't have somebody with, uh, survival finding food in the middle of the desert was a much bigger challenge. Right. Um, they began to get weak and, you know, in fifth edition they have exhaustion, Mm -hmm. um, and they have rules for hunger and, but mostly dehydration is the big one where if you don't get so much to drink after a certain amount of time, it can kill you. You know, because we didn't have the person that could identify the differences between poisonous plants and non-poisonous plants, they ran into plants that somebody ended up getting poisoned. Another person got a disease Mm -hmm. while they're out in this desert for like I think it was like three weeks or something like that. The ones that did survive, right? Um, But they also not only did dehydration really become a factor, but it started to affect their their perceptions. Right in this case, we did mirages and hallucinations, hmm. and the longer they were out there, I started to actually treat it as a spell. So they started to see things, and I actually end up using the phantasmal force uh, description. Yeah, uh, you see this; it's not really there, but you see it, and you think it's there. You know, you're running. Oh, there's a pond. You know, I'm gonna run over there and get some water, and they're they're chasing it, and, wow. and they never get there, and it starts to wear on their body. Some other things that you know you can end up doing. We did. I did a stand, sandstorm where they had to camp down for the night and they had to improvise a tent because they were slipping and falling down dunes throughout the travels and they started to lose stuff.
1: I'm just listening to Sandstorm now.
2: it's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> <laughs> so the way we work. So I started to kind of use the environment to do things like losing stuff. That's something that doesn't happen in games. When was the last time one of your characters lost something?
1: Never, because I always make good choices and I never die. Oh, fair enough.
0: <laughs> um, you know, they would—they—they they got so exhausted, they started tumbling down dunes and dropping and stuff. So when it finally came where they had to escape the sandstorm, yeah. they were m- missing some critical m- equipment to set up like tents and stuff, which end up just blowing away through the sandstorm anyway
1: i need every time you play every time you say sandstorm i need you to be playing sandstorm <laughs> <laughs> oh good
0: um some other things that we did is you know i ended up having uh quick sand and shallow mounds things to swallow the players up right um now as long as people were helping them it wasn't a big deal but at one instance they all fell in oh boy so getting out ended up taking so much work and effort. They suffer level Let's exhaustion. Let's just
1: camp out in this quicksand. <laughs> it's Did nice you?
0: and relaxing like a mud bath. Right. <laughs> um. But you really want to... Y- Sometimes it's important to have those experiences that aren't combat related.
1: Man, we were stuck on this ghost boat for like five encounters. Um, <laughs> and my buddy, his name is also Cody, fucking hated this boat. I, if we ever play D&D again, I don't think he'll even get on a boat. Because of the, the the time we spent on this boat, and uh, like we used to play from you know nine o'clock in the evening till like four in the morning, Jesus. We would play these super long sessions. So by the end, of it, we'd be delirious. Um, and by the time we found out that the the ghost was a boat, my buddy was like, "Is the boat a ghost?" And so, boat a ghost was the name of the boat from <laughs> then on. Boat a ghost. Uh, oh man, we it was that was quite so literally exhaustion and dehydration in the room with this fucking boat um so i think i think sessions like this or like uh encounters like this can be really effective um so long as they're not long enough where the actual players become exhausted right
0: <laughs> right, right i agree i agree
1: i was honestly thinking you know while you were talking about um what would it take to push a a, a party to cannibalism to cannibalism so as a that's an I, interesting. I'm thought. a cruel DM, and like I would really like the idea of of testing my players to see how long it would take before they tried to eat one another. Well, you should
0: run a game because I'd like to be a player for a change.
1: It's <laughs> a lot of work, but I mean, we'll see what we can come up with. Well, when but I anyway. d- and I, again, I'm not like the I'm not a shining example of a DM because I no, he's not. <laughs> I'm very mean to my players. I've, ne- I've
0: never DM'd with him, but I've heard the stories.
1: Right? Oh man, um, and I'm very like I. I like to roll in front of my people because I don't like to fudge rolls for the sake of, of helping them. I like to I like to make sure that monsters are a real danger at any level, um, because I think that even in fourth edition, I think that encourages you to come up with different ways to, you know, to to defeat a, an encounter. Because right. any any group of monsters should scare you, in my opinion. Um, at least, especially at early levels.
0: At early levels, I would agree. I would say not every monster should scare you at any level. No, once
1: you once you get to later, later levels, you know they shouldn't all scare you, but I think you should still be acting cautiously, even yes. if you are very powerful.
0: Fourth edition made that harder, though, because it was hard to kill people in fourth edition. Right.
1: But like, you could I, shoot a fucking arrow and blow up the moon. Oh, I came up with all kinds of cool ways to <laughs> kill people.
0: <laughs> but anyways, um, that is our encounter of the podcast, Lost in the Desert.
1: Our our magic item is Ash's Monster Monocle. This monocle was created by an old archmage, I'm assuming his name is Oak, and used to document (laughs) and record creatures that he encountered on his adventures and store the information for future use. When a creature looks through the monocle at an unknown creature, some truths of the creature become evident. Um, 1d4 charges recover at dawn. Um, you can use a bonus action to gain plus 3 to a knowledge check used to identify any single monster for one minute. You may choose to instead expend all remaining charges, at least two, to gain advantage on that check instead. You learn at least one notable fact about the creature.
0: This is where we usually give a reason why you would use it and what the. I wouldn't, because I'm
1: just going to kill it. Um <laughs> <laughs> I see the monster, I kill the monster.
0: So this is a, 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 a another utility magic item that's really good for uh, allowing uh, players a way to gain some sort of insight to the encounter they're going into right. without being completely clueless because one anybody that listens to the show knows that I'm a big fan of not necessarily revealing right away what a monster is. Right. Oh, it's on four legs, it kind of looks like a dog and it's not. It's a fucking displacer beast. But, right. you know,
1: it's... No, we did not fight a Kataboplas Kataboplas, I don't know how to say that fucking name. Have you ever have you ever heard of a Kataboplas? I don't even know what that is. It's like a weird Miyazaki monster and um I I can't even remember what the powers were. We I mean we did beast it after a little bit. But um we didn't know what it was as we were as we were fighting it and until until we killed it did we do we really discover what it was and then my buddy carried its head around for a good You know, six months or whatever. Um, Strapped to his belt. So maybe if we had Ash's Poke Monster monocle, um, we could have used that to get an edge earlier.
0: Uh, Something good with this would be to gain insight on with something like Ryan's character. He loves to hunt for poisons. He's got a poisoner's kit. So this could be something, if he doesn't know what it is, he might learn, oh, that's a poisonous creature and it has poison venom. Right. I can go use that. Or he might be able to... uh, Shit, that's got poison, and one bite from it will kill us. We should leave. The idea, at least behind the item, was...
1: I'd be like, Airden, go check that out. (laughs) I think it's got something you could use. You need to walk up there and see about it. (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) um, The idea is to give you some sort of insight into the creature, whether it's to know whether you should be avoiding it. Now, some things you're going to know. You fucking dragon lands in front of you. You better turn and walk the other way. You're not going to... At level fucking three, you know this. This is the beast of lore. Can't you're not gonna fucking try to stab it. You probably would, and well, you'd fucking immediately burn, and you would have another no, death. No, the-
1: so okay, I, I'm legit. I I have reverence for dragons. I think that if you, and they you should right. And I, I played in campaigns where you know you would encounter like maybe the lesser dragon or something early on, and I just feel shitty. Like you should you shouldn't be able to even share a, share space with a dragon until you're high enough level. You know what I mean? Right. They should be they should be incredibly. Um, I reskin them. Fearsome, yeah.
0: I use their stat blocks, but I won't call them dragons generally. I mean, it's half the name of the game.
1: Right. Yeah, if it's on the, if it's on the <laughs> box, that, that dude better be strong.
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100%, but this is a really good way to kind of give you insight into something you're fighting before just charging in. Maybe maybe it tells you that that's fucking... Uh, who's a well-known dragon? I can't, can't think of one right a now. A
1: well-known dragon? I, yeah, I don't they, know they any.
0: They got names, right? Puff. Okay, so maybe it reveals you that that specifically puffed the magic dragon. <laughs> and you he know? stoned his foot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is our magic item of the podcast, Ash's Monster Monocle. Our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast is watering monsters. What are they doing while they're wandering? Um, we briefly talked about this before we got started, and, you know, we were right. going through everything. And something that happens is a lot of people roll random encounters, mm-hmm. roll random encounters, roll random encounters. Or they just stumble across a monster, but the DM, at least in my experiences, now this doesn't include everyone by any means. that...
1: Hashtag not all DMs.
0: <laughs> they never really say what they're doing. Just you come up on a goblin,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you come up on a dragon, mm-hmm. you you walk around a corner and there's a fucking bear. But what
1: are they really? What are <laughs> they really? Quite a, that's quite a myriad. You know, that's a that's a A rogues gallery of of random beasts. You know, they should be,
0: when you stumble across these creatures, they should be doing something. And as the DM, you should be describing whatever it is they're doing. Whether it's a bear squatting and taking a dump, or maybe
1: he's gathering food. If no one's around to hear him squat and take a dump.
0: (laughs) 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 You know, describe what it is they're doing, not you you come around the corner and there's a bear. You come around the corner and there's a bear mauling a goblin. Or the goblin's dead and it's devouring it. Right. Or you, you're you sneaking through, you know, this this mansion and you stumble across a servant who has a tray of cheese and bread. You Damn,
1: know. good mansion.
0: You know, if it's a goblin running through with a backpack, are they delivering a message? Maybe you put a message in there that's going to the... Tells a little bit about what's going on inside yeah. of the... just dun-
1: enriching the world a little
0: bit. Yeah, and it's super easy to do. You know, don't make them just sitting there guarding something because... Right that's overdone right you tell them arguing over something is overdone give them give them something important to do And if they are arguing and somebody speaks goblin give a quick quip what they're arguing about yeah how do you say build the wall and goblin Oh
1: God! <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so yeah this leads us to our first player tip don't be a dick <laughs> so, create your own
0: command words since you don't like to read why don't you tell me what we're talking about
1: camaro come out okay so my <laughs> i've got a story about command words um so i don't know if anyone on you know in your listener base has ever played yeah m- all three of them Mortal. yeah <laughs> four now with you mortal Kombat, but there was a there's a Mortal Kombat where um when you're when you're fighting you would just like weapons would just fucking materialize as you're as you're as you're fighting mm-hmm. and again this is another this is another one of those stories where we were up until dawn playing a, a game um and anytime, anytime my character—I think this this version of Mortal Kombat had a character creator, and he would like a, a broadsword would materialize. Um, and every time, you know, we it's like six of us, we were rolling because uh, I would yell "Camaro, come out!" because I named my broadsword Camaro, which I think is a pretty dope name for a sword. No, <laughs> Camaro, come no. out! So, so from now on, anytime I think about you know coming up with your own commands or like your own little catchphrases. I like to come out with stupid nonsense, you know, if, if right. I'm, if I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, Cause
0: I mean, we see all the magic items that say, you know, you speak a command word and something happens and most people just say, I can't do this, but right. it's m- so much more engaging. You know, everyone knows lion. O, sort of ormond. Give me sight beyond sight. You yeah. know? And everybody knows Camaro come out. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> all, four people know now, by the way,
1: Camaro come out.
0: Um, coming up with your own command words can really add to the flavor of the game and can really enrich it. When I got my first Flaming Sword, I was reading Aragon at the time, so when my command word was Brissinger, which is burn or fire or flame or something in Elvish in that world. Right. And you can come up with any combination of words, Camaro come out, whatever. <laughs> um, so good. but if, if that'll help become, make it memorable, right. You know, okay, and yeah. that's that really was, the, that 10 years. That's ago. really the goal of the game is to make moments memorable. And, you know, uh, One of my buddies had a – we actually had a magic item called the Power Pole, which just extends. I've got that. So his whole command word is Power Pole, get longer. Right. (laughs) So it's not far from Camaro come out. No, but it was still (laughs) something, right? Right. And it still made it really fun. He's like, you guys want to see this? Check this out. Power Pole, get longer.
1: (laughs) Stupid. And
0: it was the stupidest thing ever. But you knew – you expected that when he was going to use that right. ability. He didn't have to tell you what he was doing. Right. He
1: just said his thing and everyone knew. So my buddy Dave, um, he played a character who, uh, who had a... It was in 4th edition. He had a spell that um, that was just debilitating if you didn't make the save. And it was to a broad group of enemies, um, and so you know, anytime, anytime you know, he did that instead of him having a command word, we came up with one which was just save against Dave, um, because he he would he would end the encounter if this hit, and I can't remember what it was, but because it wasn't my guy, but uh, but yeah, save against Dave was what we would start. Or no, I put my hands in the dirt. <laughs> because he really loved to describe his actions and so whenever he did something um whenever he did something that was that was very dramatic we would all sort of get in with these with these custom command words but it was you know something we ascribed to him um but yeah man i put my hands in the dirt (laughs) that sounds awesome
0: I, mean, I don't get why it's funny cuz you don't have there's no more contacts. Well, but you
1: ha- yeah, I mean, I guess you had to be there, but Dave was just so like so we were a group of like beer and pizza D&D players, you know what I mean? Like we it's the best we, kind. We, we were being silly and having fun, but Dave really wanted to describe every spell. And so whenever he got real detailed about what was happening or what he wanted to do, we would just start saying, "I put my hands in the dirt." You know, just to just to, just, to just,
0: just just to be a
1: dick. Yeah. I mean, and don't be a dick. I guess that's the thing. But, you know, to an ex- <laughs> Okay, here's, I'm going to amend that because fuck Will Wheaton. Don't be that big of a dick. <laughs> to be be some degree of a dick and stop.
0: Uh, fair enough. <laughs> I don't think I have anything to add to that. <laughs> you know, that is our player tip of a podcast. Don't be a
1: dick. To a degree. And
0: you can avoid dickitude pie.
1: <laughs> putting your hands in the dirt.
0: And creating your own words. Creating your own command words. <laughs> Comero, come you out. make this so hard because I can't, I can't smile and talk because my brain stops working. Um, so that is our show for today. Please join us for our next episode where we'll hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing D&D online play through Roll20.
1: Right. If you have any feedback, tips, and tricks, or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at critacademy.gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at CritAcademy.
0: We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher.
1: Also, be sure to give us a like and a share on your social media.
0: Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures as well as have a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. You will also find links to our fellowship members there as well. I am your host, Justin.
1: And I am your good, good Cody. You're what? You're good, good Cody. you special. <laughs> we can do it again if you want. No,
0: that's fine. <laughs> you
1: just got to finish the line. Oh, fuck. Thanks for listening. Keep
0: your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes.
1: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>